It is Pals Pulls time. Tyler is here and he's making a funny face. I was trying to do uh, Kermit energy, but uh, right. I'm not as gangly nor green. No, yeah. no, not at all. Uh, I'm not green either, but uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to be talking about some comics. We've got uh, <laughs> a lot more than five comics to talk about this week because uh, it's Tyler and I, so we figure, you know, we'll just talk about a whole bunch of books. We got a little um, more time, a little less voices, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Batman uh, 140. This is the second issue of the Mind Bomb arc. Crazy stuff. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Batman Santa Claus. Uh, Silent Night as well. That was on the poll. Um, but, you know, whatever. We'll get to it. Uh, Transformers number three. The Sacrificers number five. I, I read it, uh, you know, just because. And so I'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, Tyler, you had one you wanted to talk about too. Yeah. So I want to talk about Our Bones Dust by Ben Stemmick. That's a, another image comics book right yeah. uh amazing spider-man we're gonna get into the gang war stuff uh the century number one and thunderbolts number one so we've got a full house tonight of books to review hopefully you guys have had a chance to read your stuff and we can just jump right into it let's start with batman number 140 this is written by chips darsky with art by George Jimenez, colors by Tumor Moray, letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, so this is really an interesting arc because it's Batman versus the Joker, but it's in a very different way than we've ever seen it before because it's not exactly Batman. And we don't even know which version of the Joker this is. And it's also uh, the Joker part of it is kind of a step back. It's almost the B plot of it. Uh, yeah, because that's not the main um, um, conflict we have here. Right. Um, and, you know, the main conflict is really happening inside the mind of Batman, where he's fa he's facing off with uh, these various Zoranars. And I need to show off this panel because this is just unbelievable. So there's all these different, uh, you know, Zoranar Batman, and they are from the multiverse. And most if not all of them correspond to a version of Batman that we've seen before and one of them is Michael Keaton's Batman and his face drawn by Jorge George Jimenez is so fucking crazy like look at his eyes he looks so bugged out every time Jimenez draws the Michael Keaton Batman version he looks like he was just came back from a coke bender yeah it is horrifying yeah that was crazy um, but otherwise, you know, the art, I mean, not otherwise, it, that's great in and of itself. The art is tremendous um, and it brings a weight to the story that I really appreciate. Um, you know, the, the art style dictates so much. And because of Jimenez's figure work that that feels a little bit more um, true to form, if you will, and the more like grounded colors you know, this book has a gritty, lived-in feel that works for the story that Chip's been telling. And I think it is Jimenez is kind of pulling back a bit um, in terms of, like, there's not too many crazy panel work here. Like, the panel work's not crazy. Yeah. The Like you said, the form isn't super crazy either. It, it's pretty much – I think when you have this many Batmen, 
you need to make the main continuity Batman as normal as possible. So the other ones right. can then be weird. Right. Um, and I think he, he accurately gets the, the vibe for each of these Batman too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just absolutely nails it. Like every time I look at that Keaton Batman, it's just, it's like, that's who that is. And someone in the chat said, that's the let's get nuts version. And it absolutely is. Um, I I really really am invested in what Chip Zdarsky is doing, like the way that the the war arc, the Gotham war arc ended. Aside how that all went, uh, I really like what Chip is digging into. Bringing Zer back has been so much fun, um, you know, and he's getting to play with the idea of Bruce Wayne and Batman as separate entities now in an almost literal sense. And with the final page reveal in this, there is – we're seeing how this is a grand plan. There is a plan here. Yeah. And I'm surprised I did not see that end coming. Like once it happened, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I thought that was like – yeah, I, I, I felt that that was like where it had to be going uh, because at some point these two have to throw hands. You know, at some point Physically. Batman and Zur have to be able to fight. So, otherwise, this arc just has no payoff at all, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is great. I I am loving this main story. Um, I I haven't I haven't enjoyed reading the mainline Batman comic this much in a decade or more. So, a decade, really? Oh, so a no, decade. Oh, no, sorry, that's still in in Scott Snyder territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the COVID years didn't work that that hard. Just yet, I mean, it was bad, but um, yeah, it this this is good Batman. Uh, this is what I expected Chip's Batman to be like, and I, and I mean that in a good way. Um, there, he's really kind of getting to the core of who Batman is and yeah. who Bruce is, um, and I like that kind of uh, uh, deep dive into a character and his psyche um, in a way that's you know it's it's not you know every every Batman writer tries to do that in some sense. Um, but I like how Chip's making it, making Batman be his own worst enemy, which is the right way, I think, to write Batman because he kind of is. Yeah, um, it's all very interesting the way he's mining this character. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. What do you think about his uh, his version of the Joker? I don't feel like we're getting enough yet. Like there, there's this. This is kind of like a. It feels like an appetizer to a bigger Joker story, which I feel like we're getting because we're getting that Joker year one coming up. Um, so whatever, you know, we had a bit of a killing joke uh, scene here at the end too, where like something happens to the Joker. We don't really know. Right. Um, is it is it up to interpretation or will Chip, you know, show us? I mean, Chip usually gets back to things that he's, that he's you know, written about uh, pretty quickly. So um, I like this a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the fact that the, the Joker is always always one step ahead of either version of Batman. Like he just kind of knows how to how how to maneuver around um, Batman. You know, there's always the question of does the Joker know? Does he not know? And we got a pretty clear and definitive answer here. And the fact that he does know who Batman is and he seems to know even about Zur on some level, or at least the idea of that. Um, he's prepared for it all, just like Batman's prepared for everything. So it's cool to watch them fight each other knowing that. 
I will say, uh, Jorge Jimenez's Joker is, I think, amazing. <laughs> There's a, a gross lankiness to him. He's scrawny. He's not, like, ripped or anything like that. And he's he almost looks like he's running around like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo most of this issue. Like just just the 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 running poses that Jimenez took, I can almost see it right off a, a Scooby Doo you know a, a cell, um, where it's kind of goofy and it, that makes him scarier in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's just he's just a menace. He's just a menace. I and I love the Joker when he's like this, highly dangerous and threatening, but still. Still comical on some level. Um, I I I I know when people what people mean when they say that they're jokered out. I've never really been quite there, but this is probably some of the better Joker that I've read in recent memory, at the very least. And everyone knows that at least my cousin read a lot of Joker. Um, so you know, at least he's got opinions on that. That Joker was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, not that I would know. Pull. Thought this was real good. It's a pull for me. Are you... Go ahead. I'm just reading... So there seems to be... Like, most of the chat is not so hot on this, is what I'm gathering. Is it? Yeah. From what I'm getting is that the people are seeing that... uh, Feeling that Chip's Batman is a little inconsistent, I think. Columbo says Zdarsky will go from one banger arc to either a frustrating mess of an arc or an absolute snoozer, and the oscillation is just too much for me. I can understand that. I think, um, you know, Gotham War was an unfortunate speed bump that I don't, I don't honestly believe was what Chip would have wanted to do. I know that there was some desire to work with Teeny and maybe do something with that, but I think... Um, why would a writer want to tell a story that gets undercut by, you know, just having to throw a villain in and not resolve the central conflict? It feels like one of those things they were forced to do rather than something they wanted to do. Narratively, it doesn't fit in his arc and he has not referenced really anything since. Yeah. All it did was, was, was alienate him from the family. And I, again, like, as I've said many times, I think there were a lot of ways to do that. Um, and maybe you could still do a Gotham War type of story, but um, I don't think it needed to be an event, and I don't think it needed to have Vandal Savage in it. So, but if you but if you if you remove that from the equation, this has been pretty solid. I agree. I agree. We like to think our podcast is pretty solid, and if you agree, there are a lot of ways you can support us. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is where we like to give you the best bang for your buck. We appreciate everybody that is subscribed over there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tiers that we have um, with a lot of cool stuff that we're offering. So check that out. And uh, hopefully you decide to join us on that side of things. Also, thank you to all of our channel members. You guys rock. Um, we love to see those green names in the chat every single week. Thank you so much. If you want to join, just click the join button. Um on our YouTube channel, Patreon or <laughs> YouTube.com slash the comics pals, click on the join button on this very video if you are watching us on YouTube. If you want to watch this show live, you can do that every single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. 
uh, Saturdays at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. There's a video that's been circulating this week of a comic shop owner who's had a lot of interesting things to say about the industry. It lines up pretty nicely with what we've been talking about on the show. So uh, we will have thoughts on that for sure. So we're not talking George Santos's uh, comic book uh, tastes? We might. <laughs> we might. Don't want to put that on the thumbnail, though. No, no, no. Well, no. no they'll, they'll just think it's me. It's fine. Yeah. Um, vote in the listener pick poll every single Friday on youtube.com slash the comics pals under the community tab. We'd love to see you guys vote and uh, you get to pick a book for us to review, which we will be getting to a little bit later for now, though, let's jump into transformers. Number three. Oh, or no, I'm sorry. It's cause I don't fit. I didn't physically buy it. Yep. Uh, Batman, <laughs> uh, Santa Claus, silent night. Number one is what we're going to get into now. Um, this is by uh, Jeff Parker. Jeff with, Parker. Oh, I got it. Go. Uh, Jeff Parker with art by Mikhail Bandini. Colors by Alex Sinclair. Letters by Pat Brousseau. I haven't read anything by uh, Parker, I feel like, in quite some time. Dude, when I saw Jeff Parker's name on this, I was like, hell yeah. I'm a big yeah. Jeff Parker mark. Um, he's written some of my favorite runs of things aquaman run is you know sorry jeff johns but i think jeff parker's aquaman run is fantastic um yeah i think jeff parker's thunderbolts run also really good and i don't think i've seen him on a on a uh, batman story in a while yeah certainly not any that i can think of uh typically this is the kind of comic that i sort of try to avoid um i just really don't care for crossovers of this nature like I'll pick up a couple of issues of like a like a Batman TMNT type of thing, and that was that was fun. Uh, but I I try to avoid things like this. We did have uh, Atomic Hound request that we review this book, and so we figured why not. And you know what? Um, it's it's fun. It's fun. I think that it is wordy. Um, I found that there was just like a lot of um, backstory and you know trying to explain a lot of stuff. Um, that I really didn't care about. I feel I feel like the coolest thing that that we're gonna see is Santa as a basically a vampire slayer riding a reindeer. You know that's that's cool as hell. You know, um, let's focus on that. Let's do that. See, I actually like the wordiness of it because it was kind of telling the tale of Santa Claus, and there's so many iterations in mythology of who Santa Claus is, and this was kind of cementing its choice into which Santa Claus it was. Um, and I kind of like that. Um, it is wordy. He is it's about as long as Santa's uh, list, but uh, it is... Uh, I didn't hate it. didn't Because normally I, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it rest assured, though, that aside, this is a... This is a fun uh, wacky comic. There's really nothing like bad about it um outside of what i felt was just like too many too much um you know ancillary stuff but uh seeing seeing you know flying vampires get impaled by reindeer horns is not something that i had that i expected to see this year my question in this is what made jeff parker choose prancer as to, to be the the lone uh, reindeer in this <laughs> out of all of them <laughs> 
I don't know. Look at that. Atomic Hal with a huge $20 super chat. Thank you so much. That is awesome. We appreciate you for that. You are the man. Um, And Atomic Hal says, thanks for the bonus content. You are super welcome. Thank you. Atomic Hal, I do want to know what uh, reindeer you would pick, though. That's my only question. Um, But the the Michelle Bandini art, um, I'm, I'm familiar with the name. I can't put my finger on where I've seen him. We've um, seen Bandini on a few things. X-Men, I can't... it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I liked it. It's good. There's a certain uh, sheen to it, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, um, it's just it, that doesn't work for me. When you when you say sheen, I mean, I think this might be an Alex Sinclair thing. Uh, yeah, it could be, too. It could be because I do feel that way about Sinclair uh, often, I feel. But the figure work is real strong. The yeah, I agree, and I, I think the uh, I think it might be a Dan Moore designed Santa Claus, if I'm correct oh, really? on that, because uh, Dan Moore did do the cover, and he there is an alternate cover that's like a almost like a character design sheet by Dan Moore. So uh, the goat Dan Moore strikes again, uh, but <laughs> there's that one bit in this with Damian Damian Wayne and him trying to come to terms with the fact that. Bruce had always told him Santa Claus is real, and he just thought he was just being a good dad about it. Right. Uh, but it's like, no, the, the Bruce hung out with Santa Claus. This is another one of those people <laughs> that taught Batman things before he was Batman. That list will never end, will it? No, it will yeah. really. It never will. I mean, we just had one in, yeah. uh, you know, Batman that we just talked about. So it's ridiculous. Um. Yeah, this was this was very fun. This was very fun. I didn't realize that this was gonna be a multiple issue thing. So I was like, okay, but like halfway in, I was like, okay, whatever. Like they're gonna save the day and that's gonna be that. I didn't realize there was gonna be more. So while I had fun with this, I don't know if I care to read more of it. So I'm gonna pass for myself, but I'm gonna say that if you are looking for a little bit of a holiday comic. Uh, maybe you've got a kid in your life who you think this would this would be great for a kid. Um, it's very fun. I, I can't say that enough. I actually liked when it was like, oh, there's a cliffhanger and there's two more issues. It's a three issue mini. Um, yeah, because part of me was like, I don't want to read all of this in one chunk. Hmm. And then once it was like, oh, there's two more issues. It feels like a better pacing for me. Uh, with it, because I had no idea. I read I read things digitally. I don't see page count until I'm you know halfway through it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is a pull for me. I did like this. I had fun with this. And, and I think Atomic Hound is understanding my taste because he messaged me. He's like, hey, I think you'll like this. And not wrong. Yeah. Well, Atomic Hound in general has good taste. We know that. So uh, let's talk about Transformers number three. Uh, this is, of course, Skybound book. We just talked to Tyler and I just spoke with uh, Joshua Williamson and Tom Riley. Uh, of Duke, go run the numbers up on that. That was a really fun interview. We didn't get as yeah. much time as we wanted, but we had a good time. And thank you to everybody, by the way, who showed up live. We didn't really promote it that well because we were just kind of up in the air. But um, thank you for showing up for that. And I will say, Duke uh, comes out uh, last week in December, I think. Uh, pick it up, real good. good. Yeah, real good. Uh, so this Transformers is written by, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. With colors by Mike Spicer and letters by Russ Wooten. So I actually had to read issues two and three back to back because I missed the episode where we uh, did number two. 
Um, and so I was pretty wowed by the second issue. It was I thought it was really strong. Um, this one is even better. Yeah, I thought that was gonna be a butt, but uh, no, you were you went where I thought you would. Yeah, this comic is just awesome. I don't know. I don't know how Danny Warren Johnson does it. So when we were at the Energon panel for at New York Comic Con, he mentioned that one of the things that he wants to do with this book is kind of rip your heart out constantly. And you know, spoiler for issue one, if you haven't read it yet, he kills uh, Bumblebee pretty handily right away, like a headshot while he's not even awake yet. Um, and his whole thing was that he said it was like, yeah, I have free roam to do whatever I want here. So expect, um, heartbreak <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And this, this, this book is bringing it, uh, cause with this issue, I don't feel like anyone's safe at all. Right. I would, I mean, to me, the only person who's safe is and won't die is probably Optimus. Even then the, the close, the close call we get in here, I was like, will he, will he do it? You know, I don't know if Hasbro's with it, man. Sure, sure. I don't know, but they got um, me a little bit. I was worked a little bit to to use a word that uh, Daniel Warren Johnson probably enjoy. Well, Daniel Warren Johnson is doing some great work uh, in this comic book. What I continue to be um, thankful for with this Energon Universe stuff is that we're not just getting, you know, toys smashing together. We're getting story, you know, and these are characters that you know we are being um introduced to and you know we always hated in the transformers movies when the humans are you know the the drivers of the story and all that jazz and it, yes it's that is very annoying but i think in this case um daniel warren johnson does a good job of a balancing it b making the transformers center stage always but c giving the humans th- meaningful things to do that don't feel stupid or centering them too much and I think it's a smart thing, too, to make the humans the POV character because Transformers are so alien. Um, right. And this is also a book that's supposed to be able to get people who are new to Transformers into this this world. Um, and then I also think and with that, it's a POV. It's almost like a mirror to how Optimus and the Transformers feel because they're also learning about humanity here. And so you can sort of see them slowly kind of – Gain, uh, like garner an appreciation for humanity and earth which then leads to really messed up stuff that happens in this yeah yeah absolutely the the glee with which the decepticons kill humans in this series and just do violence in general it is really like it's horrible but it's also kind of funny it's it's uh, yeah it's like when you play warcraft and you just go around killing all the low level stuff you know <laughs> wow yeah Right, yeah, like they they kind of just get off on it. Like it's just it's just a fun time. Um, it re- what it reminds me of is when you play the, the video game Rampage, and you can just like literally you never played that game with the the monsters, the big monsters, the monsters. Yeah, you can literally you're walking around, you're Godzilla. You're not literally Godzilla, but you're sure, a yeah. Godzilla stand in a King Kong stand in this a, a giant rat, and you can kick civilians and kill them. You can destroy buildings. Which Rampage were you playing? You um, I played I played most of them. Rampage, oh, Rampage only, World Tour. I only played the uh, original arcade cabinet one. I don't even know if I did play that one. Oh, yeah, you just go up a tower and you break stuff. It's just very one tower, one tower. You're going up it and going down it, and you're yeah. It's 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 fun, but it's not as cool as you made it just sound. <laughs> because you didn't play the version no, that I played. No. You got to get that. Bro. Yeah, um, that's a lot of fun. And this made me think of that because of the Glee. 
that the Decepticons have. And but but also, you know, like it's not just the villains getting to do cool stuff. The heroes get to be cool too. I mean, my God, Optimus Prime is one of the most badass characters out. Look at this double page spread. Look at that. It's 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 Optimus saving one of the humans in the book by literally ramming himself as a truck into one of the Decepticons. I've never seen that I can recall Optimus do that. That was super cool. And it's drawn in a way that I would not be surprised if Dan and Warren Johnson was going for a spear. Interesting. Yeah, sure, sure. Because it's still I can see it. Because someone gets, you know, a, a roundhouse kicked in this, someone gets hit with a Death Valley driver in this. Like there's still wrestling moves in it. Um, yeah. so you can see where the influence is for for Johnson. Uh but once I saw that that Optimus driving into, I think it's uh warp 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 star warp scream, I don't know. <laughs> star warp. Uh once you see him do that, it's just like, oh okay, yeah, I, I can see the influence. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I and I love the wrestling influence. It's so much fun. Um, it, it remains an endless treat for wrestling fans. And I wonder, like, if you're not a wrestling fan, you see Optimus Prime doing these wrestling moves. Do you even clock it as such? Do you gloss over that? Like, what is what does a person who's not a wrestling fan make of that? That's a good point, because uh, I think it, uh, I think it's still realistic, you know, it, it, well, realistic in the sense that this is giant robots. Uh, sure. fighting each other but it makes sense in terms of like oh this this thing will cause damage at least yeah i also kind of like how the humans are all intent on not understanding what's going on here at all like they're just treating these which to be fair if we saw giant robots running around we would not react well but they're just shooting at everything and dude. and and optimus and that other dude are like wait we're here to help and they're just not having it Poor Cliff Jumper gets shot multiple times in this when he's just trying to help. And he's like a yeah. relatively smaller Transformer too. Um, so he just he's just he's just trying his best right now. This is great comics. It really so is. Good. Yeah. I don't know um, if it was close to be my pick of the week. It's not quite, but it was close. I'm not sure what my pick of the week is yet. I'm gonna be honest with you. Okay. Um mine might be surprising. Right now, right now, as far as we've gotten, I think I would say Transformers, but I've got another one that I really liked. Uh, you want to do yours first? Um, yeah, uh, I have yours up next on the slide. All right, cool. Helps, yeah. Uh, so let's talk The Sacrificers, number five. This is by Rick Remender, Max Fiumara, Dave McGag, and Russ Wooten. You know the creative team by now. Uh, I didn't intend on reviewing this today, but Sultan of Swing and our Discord server made the request and i said you know what i love this comic book so why not and i'm glad i did because it remains fantastic we get more time with the forerunner um or i'm sorry the foreman rather um and uh he's the big the really cool big giant dude with the the the, the cloak on him and the, the cool weapon and everything like the cool helmet rather um well he that helmet comes off and we get to see what's underneath that um is it cool or gross see? you want to see i'll just show you oh just one of the bird people interesting yeah. which is a revelation and so huh. the issue is dealing with the fact that you know he's not in that inner circle like he created the elixir that gives them what you know what they have this eternal life and he figured out this mechanism and everything like that 
And to some people, he is this amazing figure like we see with the woman who's worshiping him. But in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the gods, he's just fodder. And he hates that and he resents that. So Rick Remender just adding depth and layer to that character with this issue. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I, I, I if we don't talk about sacrifices, I usually try and get to it right away. Um, yeah. It's a... <laughs> Even if it wasn't Rick Remender, like the Fiumara art is insane. Yep. The the art is the art is ridiculous. Um it just really never fails. And it's like, wow, how have I not seen Fiumara before? This is a Hellboy guy. And I'm actually gonna be talking about another book, which is another Hellboy alum. Uh, but I feel like I read a Hellboy Christmas special by the Fiumara brothers at one point. Years ago, I see um, the, the the Hellboy universe has a lot of insanely good artists that like kind of just stay there. Um, so it is it is cool kind of seeing something outside of that because it's it's a little daunting to get into the Hellboy universe. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there hasn't been much action in this series yet, and this is the first issue where we really start to get some. Uh, and man, is it a treat? Uh, it's really, really good stuff. Max Fiamar is on fire. And, uh, yeah, this series is phenomenal. This was the other book, uh, that I, that I considered for pick of the week. Gotcha. Um, and I think I'll go with it. Yeah. I'll go with the sacrifice. Cool. For sure. So I, I'm up. Yeah. Cool. I actually checked out our bones dust. Number one, uh, by uh, Ben Stenbeck with uh, colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Russ Wooten. Um, so I picked this up uh, not on purpose. Um, mostly I was looking through – I was trying to find slides for the show. And then as I'm going through the list of books that came out, I recognized the title. And I was like, where did I hear that from? And actually um, – uh, 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 um, oh, geez, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, Swamp Thing artist, he did uh, – Yannick Paquette, there we go. I talked okay. about it before we even went live. Uh, right. Yannick Paquette mentioned this book as being in his top four comics. And he's like, it hasn't, it's not even out yet, but you should check it out when it does come out. And I was like, all right, I'll get to it eventually. And it came out, and I remembered. Uh, so this is kind of a, a weird post-apocalyptic dry wasteland of a world. Um, and all the people there don't really talk in full sentences. Like you can tell time has passed and the English language is kind of devolved in a way as the world devolved there's a lot less words it's almost like um kevin from the office when he says like uh me no need to say so many words when less word work well you know like it's just eliminating words in it so i think it's an interesting way to work with language but the whole premise is that this world is super dry water is a a very valuable resource and then meanwhile you got this mad max world going on there's these AI aliens that have come to kind of document the world and just to learn what there is. And they're like taking parts of little plants and just uh, 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 documenting them. And then they see a young child in this world. And one of them just gets a little too curious. And that's where the story goes. Um, I think it's like a f- five issue mini. Uh, let's see. Uh, a four issue mini. So a good, good solid thing. It was good, man. Uh, ben Stenbeck is another Hellboy area alum as well. 
uh, worked on, I believe, what was he credited with here? Uh, Baltimore and Frankenstein Underground, um, that kind of stuff. And Paquette was not wrong. This was pretty damn good. <laughs> um, it's a really weird world, and I liked it a lot. I'm so annoyed by that because I didn't get this. I skipped it. I intended to buy it, but I was like, you know what? Let me chill. Let me, you know, I've talked about needing to lower my stack. It's horrible. Strong. No, no, it's horrible. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did not succeed at this oh, okay. week. I spent way more money than I thought I would. I was like, oh, I did good this week. No, turns out I grabbed 15 comics. The guy rang me up. He told me the price, $68, whatever it was. And I was like, that's how much it costs for this stack. And he's like, yeah. And I was I was staring at the staring at the um the uh receipt, really perplexed by that. And I was going over the numbers and trying to figure out how that could have been possible. And then I realized, wait, comic books don't cost two dollars. Yep. You know, like they're they're <laughs> at least on average four dollars. So if I bought fifteen, then it makes sense. It's not girl math, it's comic book fan math. <laughs> just a little outdated the math yeah I don't, I don't think i'd be able to do the mental math of it either it's insane it's, yeah absolutely insane you know what else is insane the world of uh gang war that's going on right now in marvel comics uh this cover is insane right so this is <laughs> this is a ramita cover i'll get to the rest of the creative team and i just have to point out right away right sure. with this cover so yeah. She-Hulk <laughs> is one of the strongest characters in Marvel. And, you know, she is a Hulk, right? We know Hulk's the strongest one there is. Why does she have her hands wrapped in metal chain, chain link? I think it's supposed to be barbed wire. Or barbed wire. I mean, if that's if that's I don't... Ramita's version of barbed wire. <laughs> but okay, let's accept that, right? Yeah. Why does Miles Morales need brass knucks? It's a gang war, dude. You got to use gang-related weapons. My man has a venom sword. Oh, he what does, does he need brass nuts yeah. for? <laughs> I like the the bat that Spider-Man has. That it, it's not even like a baseball bat because it's not shaped that way. Right. Like everyone knows, a baseball bat kind of gets a little wider towards the the end. Uh, this is more of a wiffle ball bat that's brown. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. That. And what That's is, a rough cover. What does Spider Woman have? Uh, I think he. What? I don't even know. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, has, she has two leather ultimate nullifiers. <laughs> I just assumed they were nunchucks. I didn't really analyze it. I but don't yeah, know what that, those are. That they doesn't even like, make sense as nunchucks, actually. Like rapier handles without the sword. Or are they like the slappers that cops have, you know? I don't know, man. That just doesn't make any sense to me visually. But uh, Zeb Wells wrote it. John Romita drew it. Scott Hanna inked it. And Marcio Menez colored it. That's the creative team. What did you think, Tyler, of the uh, the opening salvo of the gang war? So uh, Amin Perez in the chat says, this looks like a kick-ass cover. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, man, this is a kick-ass comic. And I loved it. This is a lot of fun. Uh, this is my pick of the week. Nice. I had I had a lot of fun with this. This is Ramita doing some of his best work recently, I think. Like one of the, the, the main issues I have with Ramita lately was crowd shots and group shots he's not great at. 
and he's changing my mind. Like he's showing me why Ramita is known as like the guy. Like it, you compare this to his Superman stuff. It's 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 leaps and bounds better. This is more like his kick-ass stuff, and I think it's it's because it's set in this street-level gang war um, that he's just more comfortable with, rather than drawing Superman fighting Gorilla Grodd. You know, I think it's a much more ground level, and I really liked it. It's it's a very simple event, and I think it leads it like like one of the premises is that all the the different neighborhoods of of Manhattan are being split up by these gangs and there's fights going out because of that. And it leads to like almost uh, uh, a very easy way to spin off these things into their own, you know, like, oh, Spider-Woman says she has to go down to deal with the lower lower west side, you know? And I'm like, all right, well, that's Spider-Woman's book. It's good. Like, this feels like a classic crossover book um, in a way that I enjoy. And I, I love street-level Marvel. It's one of my favorite things of all time and kind of seeing, you know, like ringmaster gets three pages, three or four pages in this. Yeah. I love when shitty villains get, you know, a little chance to not really shine cause he gets kind of beat pretty easily. Um, but it just showcases why I like Marvel so much. Yeah, for sure. This, I, I agree with you. I thought this was really good. Um, I think Ramita does, it does feel like he's in his element. I think it helps that he had time off from the book. He probably got to, take his time because i feel like a lot of this stuff was looking a little rushed before that's fair um you know we didn't have as many characters who had the exact same figure in this which was nice um and i actually really quite like his she hulk um she has like kind of like bigger hair which i like uh, on that character she kind of looks like an italian um she looks like an italian mobster like not mobster that's that's ridiculously stereotypical um <laughs> just an italian woman she like a little bit like uh uh um lady gaga in that uh, that movie she was in which one the, the one uh with the is it versace the oh yeah i don't know big hair yeah um yeah what i love about ramita and it just brought me straight back to remender's captain america all of his monsters look the same they're just teeth Yo, monsters. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I like it. It felt, it felt good. You know. Yeah. This is, this is good stuff. Um, and for me, Zeb Wells really hasn't missed on Spider-Man. Um, and this arc is no different. It's, you know, it's got that same fun that the book has had, but now something is like this thing that we've been building to since pretty much the beginning is now unfolding. You know, like Gang War is an event, and I know a lot of people don't like them, but if you've been reading Spider-Man, you know, this has, it's been coming to a head. So um, I'm glad that we're finally paying some of this stuff off. I still really love, like, the bunny. Um, yeah. You know, that character's pretty cool. And uh, seeing how how uh, Tombstone is developing. And it's funny because we got like a in the Spider-Man Two game, Tombstone's in that, and he kind of plays a more subdued version of of who we picture Tombstone as, and we kind of get a yeah. little bit of that here. Um, and I like the whole part with Beetle. I um, I don't know if Ramita knows how to draw hair for people who aren't white. <laughs> um, well, that was like it's like oh Robbie Robbie uh, uh what's his last name? Um, uh, Raymond uh, Reynolds Raymond. Raymond. Whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. He Ro- had, Robertson. Like, 
Robertson. Yeah, it's I knew it was an alliteration. Um, he just has straight white dude hair, like, <laughs> in this. But I do like that, like, Zeb Wells is working with an ensemble cast here that's really fun. Yeah. And, like, it's a good Spider-Man book, but we don't get much Spider-Man in this. It's like the world of Spider-Man, really. Yeah, the world of street-level Marvel. Um, pretty much everyone you would expect to see in a situation like this is here on some level, and I imagine that there's more to come. Um, yeah, th- this is a lot of fun. I haven't actually tapped into any of the other Gang War stuff yet, um, so this is my first issue of it, but uh, this was a good start for me. Definite pull. Yeah, same. I just, I just jumped into the with this as well. Like, I didn't read the alpha, and yeah. it doesn't seem like I needed to. <laughs> right. Um, we get caught up to speed pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, easy pull for me. Yeah, those things are just so ancillary, dude. Like, yeah. we're, we're long past the days, I feel, of those kinds of issues yeah. really feeling relevant. Like, what happened in it? The, the Madam Mask hammerhead altercation happened, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, which we get uh, uh, an echo of in this. Love Madam Mask, by the Dude, way. Dude, same. I'm a big Madam Mask fan, yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed... Uh, forget, I forget what the creative team was. It might have been during Fraction's run of Iron Man. Where she popped up. Yeah, yeah. She's also stuff. the main antagonist of Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye. So, mm. very good. Yeah. Did I read some of that? I don't remember. Um, What I did read was the new iteration of the Thunderbolts. Wait, is that what we're reading first? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah. Thought I was. Uh, Thunderbolts by uh, the Dynamic writing duo of Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig um, with art by Geraldo Borges, colors by Arthur Hesley, and letters by Joe Sabino. Uh, So I'm not really hot on the dynamic writing duo coming off of Outsiders, which I know, you know, definitely there were people that enjoyed it for sure, but that wasn't for me. I missed it. I didn't even check it out yet. So, yeah. So coming into this, I was a little bit like, eh, I don't know. But, um, you know, this was okay. This was okay. It's got the the MCU connections, which, you know, I find to be grating, quite frankly. I, I love the MCU as much as anybody, but I like the comics to be a separate thing. So, like, when I see Red Guardian popping up and mentions of White Widow, and, of course, you know, the, the team is, it resembles the Thunderbolts team that we're getting in the movie. Um you know, that I don't love. I don't love to see that. And the reason for their formation and why they're called the Thunderbolts is just very contrived. The same way that the Outsiders and why they were called the Outsiders and all of that was very contrived. Um, But that's not to say that there's not good work here. I think that there is solid work. The art's really strong uh, for the most part. And I, I like what, you know, what the story is. Um, you know, they're after the Red Skull, and that's all very compelling. And I get, you know, whatever. But uh, I this feels like been there, done that, and I'm just not sure why I need to read this. Yeah, this this is it feels like a direct continuation of their Captain America run, mm-hmm. uh, which which had Bucky like the Winter Soldier as almost a, a weird antagonist to to Steve, uh, where he kind of finds this society that controls everything. Um, and takes over it and destroys it. Uh, and now this is the fallout of that, and 
I like their Bucky. I think they write a fun Bucky that that's very much uh, a force of nature. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It's a little contrived, the whole, like, oh, this is the Thunderbolts. I think the only thing is that, like, Winter Soldier has been a Thunderbolt before. So there is one foot in a possibility where uh, this might be a thing he does. It still feels off. Um, yeah. But it is what it is, and and this isn't the Thunderbolts that I like. I like a government-controlled Thunderbolts uh, that is just it's, it's honestly one of my like cup of teas. It's one of my favorite things. Um, so I wasn't too hot on the concept. That being said, I think the actual execution of this is really good. Um, it's a fun opening issue because the opening issue is like, hey, we're going to go kill the Red Skull, and like that conflict happens in this issue. You get everything. Um, we get a good introduction to a majority of the team. Um, I like how Sharon is the current destroyer. I like that she finally has a friggin' code name. Um, and it's one that follows Captain America's history. Um, yeah, I thought this was pretty fun. And I think it writes a wrong. That's been that's been a, a problem with Marvel Comics in a, for a long time. And that's what is the status of the Red Skull? <laughs> like, when has that been addressed? It's... God, please, I, I don't I know. want to think about that. When, yeah. I, like when they were calling him Luke and I'm like, wait a second. OK, so it's the same guy from the Captain America run from Ed Brubaker. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's been up in the air for that long. Like it's yeah. Red Skull's consciousness in Lucan's body, which is like I think the last person to touch it was Remender during Uncanny. Hmm. Right. Yeah, because that was yeah. the last time that the Red Skull was really yep. dealt with in that way to my recollection. Um, to be fair, I, I've missed some of the like cap stuff more recently, so I don't know if he came up, but a couple times, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's a lot of there are a lot of people right now talking about um, you know, creating comics that feel like they need to exist, and this feels like it needs to exist because of the connection to the movies and for no other reason. Yeah. And that's so frustrating. As an individual issue, you know what? Good stuff. And I actually would have preferred if maybe this was, and I shouldn't say preferred, but I'd be interested if this was an ongoing story in which the mission was to take out the Red Skull. But we got something good here, and it's a complete circle, so I feel like I'm good. This is a one-shot for you. <laughs> yeah, I think Yeah, I think for me this is the, a one-shot. And yeah. as a one-shot, I would absolutely pull it. Um, I'm going to read it. I love team books. Like just, that's just my thing. Marvel team books is my thing. Um, and I think it's a, it's a well done issue, but, but I agree with you. It, it does feel like, um, this book was like, Hey, we need a Thunderbolts book to come out with the winter soldier. Um, who has pitches for it? And they, these guys came out with a good pitch. And I think this is, yeah. this is a fine story. Um, but it's, it seems like the concept comes first rather than the story. Yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, before we move on, though, the art is real good. Very good, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was impressed. I think that uh, Borges brings that kind of grittiness that is appropriate for a story following, you know, a team of Thunderbolts of this nature. Uh, his red skull looks really great. I'm holding up a, a page right now. And uh, it's this panel of him sort of just sort of talking maniacally. And then it follows down to a close up on his face and that disgusting nose. 
Um, this is great, great work. I looked up where uh, or what else Borges has done, and he did Angel Season 11. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Season 11. Jesus. They really got up there. <laughs> I know. They did. <laughs> that was in 2017, too. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. I think it's a good book. I, I think I will give this an issue too easily um, to see where this goes because I do like how it's a continuation of their cap run, which I actually enjoyed. I really liked their cap run. It was different. Um, it felt like more of an action movie rather than an espionage book that every writer has been trying to do since Brubaker's run. Yeah. Uh, Amin Perez says, chances they cross over this series with the new century run. We're about to talk about that in a minute. Um, I I could see that happening. It's Marvel. If they can cross over something and it makes sense and they think they can sell stuff, they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thunderbolts is a Marvel area that I have little to no knowledge of. I know of the runs, but I've rarely ever picked up the series. I mean, I've probably picked up two Thunderbolts series that I can think of. The obvious Warren Ellis run that uh, Tyler and I you know, love so much. And then I, th- I want to say there was like, uh, am I crazy, Tyler? Like a Jeff Parker? The Jeff Parker one's really fun. It's okay, a huge yeah. cast. Yeah. Um, And you start to, like, you start feeling for the juggernaut, like, <laughs> as a sympathetic character. Um, Jeff Parker's feels a lot like Secret Six, almost. Mm. Um, So I recommend the Jeff Parker one, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the concept is pretty simple, right? But I feel like, just like the... Uh, the other book that Marvel recently put out that had a wrong name or just, it was they took a name and they used it for something that wasn't appropriate. Hawkeye was leading a team. Thunderbolts. Um, that was Thunderbolts, too. It was also Thunderbolts. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they've kind of really gotten away from what Thunderbolts should be. Yeah. Oh, that's so it needs to be to villains that are forced to do good. And then you just you you get to learn which ones actually stick with it. Like there's a reason why I uh, put the George Perez Songbird variant cover uh, on the stream. Because <laughs> uh, that's one of those characters that was a bad person that learned yeah. to do good. And that's what I liked about it. All right. Well, Tyler, as yeah. the biggest Century fan other than myself that I know, I want to ask you what you thought about this one. Because uh, so first of all, it's written by Jason Liu with art by Luigi Zagaria. Uh, with colors by Arthur Hesley and letters by Joe Caramagna. Um, I didn't know what this was going to be, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Take it away. You put me on the spot because I know what you thought about this. <laughs> um, I didn't like it. It was not for me. Um, the Sentry for me is not the power set. The Sentry for me is Robert Reynolds and his story and his, his, his kind of journey with mental illness and it being kind of an allegory for that. Um, and this kind of takes the idea of the century, reduces it to a power set that then gets spread out between a whole bunch of people. Um, it's not to say that it can't be a good story, but it's not what I wanted. I'm going to give it an issue too, but this isn't... Because hmm. I read the solicitation, I knew what the story was going to be. I knew this was going to be like a, a more of a the power just you know disbanding to these random people. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. 
Yeah, yeah. So Amon Fred says, I'm going to put my boomer hat on. Sentry is not a legacy character. I kind of agree with that. Sentry is not the character either. It's Robert Reynolds that's the character, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it wasn't too hot on this, to be honest. All right. Um, I'm going to get on my soapbox. Please do. Gladly. Because this is this is what I really, really don't like in superhero comics. Where it's like, hey, there's a character that we don't know what to do with. So we're going to just destroy the legacy of that, right? And then relaunch with something else that has nothing to do with the original version. And make it about something random. Robert Reynolds is a character who has a very specific story. What is interesting about the century if you don't have the story and the void and and you know his great good being tethered to a great evil? It's another Superman clone after that. And not letting the character just be gone forever after what Bendis did with him, which I thought was all great, but continuing to go back to a well that's dry. It's dry. It's so, so frustrating. It really is. And then on top of that, there's this whole subplot here where there's a white guy who, a white blonde guy who looks like, you know, the sentry minus the like long flowing hair who wants all the power for himself. And he's fight. It's, it's like he's fighting with this other individual who is you know a, a brown a brown person and there's this whole racial undertone what the fuck do i care about that for that in was that- so like just just ham-fisted and it just like came out it of was, nowhere yeah. it's just weird man it's just weird like i don't want this i think ham-fisted is is, is the good word for it like because I don't even think the well is dry with the, with the concept of Robert Reynolds of the century. Jeff Lemire did uh, a book in 2018 with Kim Jacinto that reinvigorated the character, in my opinion. I thought it was a great, like, five-issue mini um, that uh, really worked with that idea. But it was it was uh, Robert Reynolds. And I think that's where Misty Knight was also in that. Um, and this is somehow at the same time a Jessica Jones Misty Knight book. Which that I wasn't expecting. That's the part that I didn't see coming. I knew what the yeah. what the concept was, but I didn't know that this was going to be a a fucking Jessica Jones uh, Misty Knight vehicle. Like what? Yeah. What? Which I'm fine with that being a book. Like if you want to make a Daughters of the Dragon or a Heroes for Hire and make it, you know, Jessica Jones and Misty Knight, I'm all for it. But I don't think the century works without the void. Like that is it, it is a yin and yang. And this book just treats the Sentry as a Superman power set and people getting individual powers from that. And, yeah, I was not into it. I was not a, a, not a fan of it. And it's, all, it's literally, and this is the other thing that's so upsetting, is that it's literally only because that's the character that, um, that what's his name? Steven Yeun is probably yeah, playing. Steven yeah. Yeun's going to be playing. That's the only reason that this is happening. And that's so frustrating because this is a character who now will probably be erased. Like we're not, we're, we might not get Robert Reynolds back and maybe this new century that we're getting in the MCU becomes the century. And if that character doesn't have the void attached to it, 
Then what's the point? Then that's Hyperion. Like, right. <laughs> who exists already? Um, yeah, I'm with you on this. I think you and I are century uh, diehards. <laughs> um, and it's a bummer. It's a big bummer. And like, I get, yeah. This could I gave be. Up. This I gave could up. be. Go ahead. This could be a decent book if it just wasn't the century. I don't know if I'm being stuck on that part, but this idea that there is this superpower that's been distributed to all these different people, and there's one of them who just happens to be a bad person that's trying to take it off for themselves, I think works in concept. But that is an under that is a misunderstanding of the century as a character, in my opinion. It's just what Marvel does. They take a name with some with some cachet and they strip mine it and apply it to something else. They've been doing this nonstop. I mean, my God, just look at the MCU. It's full of that. And now in the comics, I mean, we just talked about the Thunderbolts and how that name basically means nothing. And now here we have it again with the Century. There's no point to the Century character without the Void. It's literally pointless. Call it something else and move on or don't do it. But that's just me as a as a big fan of the character. I know how I sound right now, but that's how I really feel because I love this character. Not what they're trying to pass off. Not the moniker. Not the legacy idea of it. The actual original character. Yeah, I think he's one of the best characters to come out this century. Um, yeah. But yeah, I pass. mean, and yeah, it's a pass for me too. And and it's and it's what it's what's annoying is too that like. This feels like it's supposed to be synergy with the movies, you know. But from what we can tell is there's no that Venn diagram is small. So why sacrifice that? Why sacrifice this for something that you're not even gonna get a payoff for? And also like that you have no ETA for because of the strike. Well, I think I think um I think the reason is because it doesn't matter. And because I guess so. yeah. you know, I think the Sentry is one of those characters that people have a hard time wrapping their heads around for the simple fact that the best Sentry story that's going to be told was told already. And I think it's the same with characters like Venom, where for so long Venom languished because who could beat what Todd McFarlane had done with the character? Um, who could beat that original story? The character's best, I, the, the idea of the character is that story. It's not anything outside of it. So when you try to take the character outside of the story, it struggles. It's the same with Bane because Bane was made for a specific purpose. These are not characters that were meant to be told to be telling stories with forever. And so when people keep trying and you already reached apex with them, it's really difficult. Same with Two-Face. Tom account says, sounds like the Marvel version of this week's Beast World Waller Rising issue. Maybe the worst comic DC has released in 2023. I have that downloaded because the cast of characters looked interesting. They have a, a Barack Obama Superman on there. I forget his name. What, what's his name? Can't recall. The, the multiverse Superman. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now I'm more interested to read that comic. I'm probably going to read it after the show, honestly. Just because of how bad AH says it is? Yeah, actually, yeah. If it's the worst of something of the year, I kind of want to check it out. Okay. You never I, see, like, I, worst I, I, movie of the year, and you're like, maybe I'll check it out. I have literally never done that, Tyler. Oh, I'm a masochist then. I like no. bad stuff. That I know. <laughs> that I definitely know. Calvin Ellis, thank you so much. Yes. Yep. That is the that is the proper name. Um, Yeah. Did you say pull on this? Or you, no, no, yeah. no. It's not a pull for me. No. Okay. Because no. you said I, you would... 
going to give it an issue too. I always give everything an issue too. That's just a, a statement I will go on, but I'm not, I don't assume everyone is me. Um, so based on that, I would say this is a pass. I would say pull the Jeff Lemire century. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my God, man, like. Also, that's Kim Jacinto on our show, the president does the Marvel Snap variants that are really good. Yeah, yeah. Just the century to me was a more interesting, ver- like, and again, this is my, this is, you know, a long time ago. This was a more interesting version of Superman. Because I'm like, here's a character where the stakes are present because everything good that he does has a negative reaction. Superman is invulnerable. He's impenetrable. He's faster than a speeding bullet. You know, how do you how do you create a reasonable threat for him? I think I thought the century was a great answer to that. And I, the, you know, I thought it was an amazing story that Ben has told. The answer was mental illness. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it was compelling. Yeah. Dude, just like I remember, yeah, the way Bendis like this is going to turn into a two thousands Bendis uh, jerk off, but um, the way Bendis would like see just little things in each issue, and you knew it would come, like because that the idea of like this dude will be on this book for a long time yeah. was understood at that point, um, right? The idea of like is this a mini like didn't exist, so you knew like oh just like you would in a TV show. You know, like that's going to be brought up eventually. I mean, besides the the door in Wolverine's mind, I think that was never brought up again. Um, I don't remember that. There's like a there was like they get into Wolverine's mind to to check his thing, and they find like a, a Jean Grey section, and there's just a door, and we never get an answer for it. But no, I mean it's it's multi layered storytelling um, that you wouldn't even really expect from Bendis anymore. You know, you hear that of Bendis, and you're like, wait a second. He used to do things like that, and the answer is absolutely yes, he did. You know, I sing the praises of New Avengers any chance I get because that was a series that um, really lit my mind on fire. And I remember those tie-in issues, mm-hmm. the Siege tie-ins Ooh. in New Avengers that dealt with, like, the century and the origins of the power and the void, and there were some implications about Jesus, and there was all this, all this stuff going on. It was so interesting to me at the time. The the Jeff Lemire stuff gets into that. It gets into it's it it pretty much makes him, ironically, Marvel's Miracle Man. Hmm. Um, in place of that idea of the character. Yeah, I might have to give that a read. Uh, if because, it's good to look you know, at. that's like as big of as much as I love the century, once he was thrown into the sun or whatever, and they kind of discarded him, I was like, okay, nothing here for me. You know, nothing here for me. I don't blame you. So, but at least he's a pretty fun Marvel snap card. That negative ten. He's dead real dead. good right now, though. Actually, is it really okay? Yeah, the century is very much in the meta because what's happening is a there's Annihilus, the new okay. card, and uh, so what that does is it sends all your cards with zero or less power to the other side of the board, and Ooh. destroys those that can't move. So. What people do is they summon Sentry, send the Void to the right, and then Annihilus and send Annihilus over. But also what they do is they play Sentry, and then they play Professor X on top of him. Would armor work too? No, because um, they would still get it. Just They would get armor yeah. too. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, they wouldn't get armor. They would just get the Void. Because oh, everything was zero or less. Zero power. or less. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Sentry's yeah. a fun card. I was playing a Sentry deck for a while. It was a Sentry... Uh, 
po- not poison, whatever the, the thing is that you know, I used uh, Luke Cage and Viper, Viper. and I used Hazmat. Green Goblin and yeah, 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 junk. They call it. That's the junk deck. Cool. Yeah, and it was a fun deck. Very, very viable right now. And a lot of you probably don't have any idea what Tyler and I are <laughs> talking about. Marvel Snap is a very fun uh, digital card game that we both play. And so, uh, yeah, just a little chat about that. But hey, listen, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us uh, and spending an hour with us. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, let us know if you enjoyed the books we read. What's on your stack? What are you going to be reading this week? Uh, if you get around to it and uh, make sure you vote in the listener poll this week, of course, um, the century won it, right? I'm so thrown off right now. It's uh, a, no it's Thunderbolts. A, uh, Thunderbolts won it. Thunderbolts won it. Yep. So, you know, you guys did all right. You guys did all right. Uh, let's keep that going. You guys can vote every single Friday on youtube.com slash the comics pals under the community tab. If you want to be a part of the voting, let's run those numbers up. I want to see over a hundred votes consistently. That's what I would like. That'd be good because so, then it, it yeah. makes the the polls a little more competitive too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all so much. Join us Saturday at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern for the main show. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So come hang out with us for that. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you. Until next time, with the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.